You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So, very good day. Welcome, everybody. Our date is the 17th of July 2023. And it's another hot, clammy, sticky day here on the Costa Blanca. Well, slightly out of sequence with things happening at this time of the year. We always get changes, very, uh, maybe slight now and again. Um, but today, uh, I'm speaking with Neil and we're going due west around about uh, three quarters of an hour from where I am. It's hot and clammy here. Definition on the mountains, um, yeah, a bit of cloud about today. So let's find out if it's the same for Neil, who I believe is out taking his exercise with a dog this morning. So Neil, good morning and how are you today? Morning, yeah. It's boiling up and I mean it's really hot, clammy. So uh, I've had this little uh, shih tzu that I've had to walk and they even, they even give me a pink lead. I mean, hang on a minute. <laughs> a pink lead? So well, I've been walking around and people are looking at me like with a little dog and, <laughs> and on a pink lead like. So they're saying, oh, have you got a dog? No, no I've not. <laughs> They've had to go back for a funeral uh, back to the UK, my friend. He's back on Wednesday, so. Yeah. Which is no matter, but she just, she's a bit skitty all the time. She just barks at anything, yeah. you know. Anything that moves, it just backs. Okay. But anyway, she's laying side of me. Oh, she's collapsed by next hour. Hope so. Okay, well, look, just before we start looking at the news, uh, did you see the tennis yesterday? I saw bits of it, yeah. I thought it was a really good game. I'm not a lover of tennis, really, but, um, yeah, it, I mean, that young lad, he's very good. Hey. Very good. Brent Mercy, isn't he? Just down road. He is, and, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's like the changing of the guard in some respect because Djokovic has been a great champion. Um, you know, it's it's pretty obvious that the public were totally and utterly waiting for uh, something to uh, to change um, because, basically, he looked unbeatable. And in the first set, it looked as if he was going to hammer this young lad. But... Um, he stuck at his task, but to play tennis for the best part of five hours, that yeah. takes a bit of doing, doesn't it? Yeah, Andy, Andy, we, we weren't that cold, were it? You know what I mean? I mean, normally Wimbledon, you can get it nice and cool and all sorts, but it was quite warm as well. And five hours, I mean, it's, that's a lot. Keep running about on them, you know, on the courts. Well, especially when you uh, when you do look at other sports and uh, realise the the shift they're put in there. But anyway, okay, so we get cracking on what we're looking at as uh, things that have appeared in our newspapers, uh, and so we're looking at things that either don't get the light of day or you know are presented in a different way. Here we go. Okay, so having a thick skin is a key asset in most jobs, uh, but it seems we still sweat over hurting our workmates' feelings. This is uh, the article I was reading. Figures suggest that millions of Brits live in fear of causing accidental offence to someone at work by saying the wrong thing. About one in three of us, 31%, admit to suffering from FOOC. They've got to give... Everything a name these days, fear of offending colleagues 
uh, through asking personal questions and holding controversial views, for example. Researchers found that two out of uh, ten avoid putting the foot in it by staying stum about religion, sexuality and other potentially contentious matters such as finances. Some 18% also said they worry about uh, voicing opinions on a colleague's personal life, including relationship breakups or illness. Um, this is a comment that I looked at from somebody from Eastbourne. And, well, things have changed. A lot of this article can believe from when I was at work. Common sense seems to be, uh, uh, it seemed to be around the court a lot in those days. So you were able to navigate the day without spectrum of views and much debate on many subjects, even politics. I was and I am a conservative, but a good friend of mine at work was a socialist and we would debate the subject, uh, send each other up, uh, but still go to the pub for a drink. It never got nasty or personal. I think the problem is intolerance. Some people are just not prepared to respect the opinions of others and that shows a lack of maturity. And then somebody else in Devon said... Um, uh, it's a good job I've retired because I wouldn't last five minutes in today's woke world. My views are not going to change and I refuse to be told that just because I offend some snowflake, they are wrong. Now, I thought when I saw that, that Neil's been writing into the papers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's called having a crack at work, having a laugh and a joke and... Difference of opinions, and like if one's from Man City and one's from Man United, you you have a crack at each other and all that. This this ridiculous, this woke idea. Forget it. Nobody says anything to personally offend anybody. It's called having a crack at work, and it has been ever since I started work. You know, the, when you were an apprentice or something, they used to say, "Oh, go down to, to um, go, go down to, to the shed and get us a long stand." And you go to yeah. the counter and ask, can I have a long stand? Yeah, it won't be a minute. And you still be there 25, 30 minutes away and everybody come walking and all laughing at you. Yeah, a long stand, yeah. yeah. You know, get me a left-handed screwdriver, all that. It's called having a laugh and a, and a joke at work and having a crack. And if, if, if United beat City, then, you, you know, you get you have to take the flak and then the other way around and all that. So these walks, they want to wake up and smell the coffee. I think uh, without a shadow of doubt uh, in my own life, and I think, um, you know, you might agree, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think we were as politicised. I don't think we, well, um, is it just an age thing? Because when you're younger, you get on with your life. You just, you know, you've got work to do, you do your work. Um, but when it comes to the politics, I mean, realistically, you, you really didn't think that much about, um, you know, Harold Wilson or Edward Heath's policies. I mean, you just sort of spent a bit of time learning how to, to how to imitate them and um, have a laugh at them, really, as much as anything else. I think I'm right in thinking that. But do you, yeah, what do you remember? I mean, everybody everybody took Harold Wilson off, didn't they? They you did. Know, because of the way he spoke, right? Yeah. You know, but there's... That's not offending Harold Wilson. It's just it's just doing an impression of somebody, you know. And, and if people talk different at work, you know, people have talked back to him as as they think that they're talking to them. And it's just having a bit of bit of fun and a bit of banter, you know. I you do. make me laugh these lot. I, I I'd hate to see what the private lives are like. It must be awful, you know, for be a wolf. Well, I've got to Anything say... Anything comes on telly, they get in the pen out writing papers and God knows what. 
I mean, I, I think we've created most of this uh, stuff that we're living through because when I was a younger guy, I don't think, I think once I met somebody who was definitely a gay, you know, I mean, they didn't call them gay, they called them homosexuals, of course they did. Um, but basically, um, you know, if a fella came in acting very effeminate, uh, you didn't feel violent towards him. I mean, you, you, I mean you, you might have a little peep to sort of just have a look and just note the difference. But I mean, apart from that, you didn't have people going around hating. I do remember that there was queer bashing, which they used to call it, um, when, you know, gangs would go out and hunt down uh, people that were a bit that way. And I think that was totally wrong. I, I yeah, did then, and I, I certainly do now, you know. Yeah, that's the sick side, of, of, you know, of people, isn't it? You know, yeah. queer bashing, packy bashing, that, that, were, that were for a while, in, I think it's 70s or 80s or something like that. Uh, yeah, but them's not the people. Yeah, they, they're just they're just ridiculous. They just you know they, they're anti anything yeah. to, to go and have a fight and and all that. Because like the football teams, they, they were fighting outside before they even got in ground. You know. Yeah, they, they, they go through these they, they go through these phases. But I, I hope this walk phase doesn't last. You know, anywhere near as long. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I do remember we had quite a few teddy boy gangs and certain areas you'd say, oof, I'm not going to go near there. And, you know, if you fancied a bag of chips on the way home or something like that, you'd keep away from that area because obviously you didn't want the problem. So, you know, that's what I can remember. Um, yeah, you get dead legs wherever, you, you know, there'll be a few dead legs or people out for trouble everywhere you go. And if you know where to avoid, or you think, oh, I'm not going that way, all oh, them lot are over there again, no nutcases like, yeah. you just go a different route on. Yeah. Okay, we're off next to Italy. So uh, we don't very often talk about Italy, but this one took my eye, and I thought, well, yeah, we'll have a little look about this one. Here we go. OK, so uh, Italy seems to be changing quite a lot and the shock news arrived without warning in January. This is according to the article when somebody called Michela was uh, being officially cancelled as the mother of her daughter on the infant's birth certificate. I cried for 10 days when I opened the letter. She's 38, uh, lives on the outskirts of Bergamo, a city in northern Italy near the Swiss border. It was as if I didn't exist. Michaela and her 35-year-old wife, Viola, are among the first targets of the right-wing Italian government's attempt to crack down on same-sex parenting and surrogacy, imposing its conservative moral values in the country. Uh, the Prime Minister is uh, a lady, Giorgia Meloni, and her coalition disapproves of the LGBT plus couples raising children together and says the country's laws do not allow children to have two mothers. Uh, their daughter was one of the first three children born to lesbian couples whose birth certificates are being offered uh, and sorry altered to delete one mother. Scores more are being targeted across the country. Uh, the Prime Minister said uh, recently, we want a nation in which whatever each person's legitimate choices and free inclinations, it is no longer a scandal to say we're all born from a man and a woman. 
Same-sex unions were legalised in Italy in 2016, granting many rights of married couples but stopped short of permitting marriage and adoption amid fierce opposition from the powerful Catholic Church. There are now more than 13,000 such partnerships. Gay couples are banned from accessing reproductive uh, medicinal um, treatments such as IVF, while surrogacy has been illegal for two decades, unlike in Britain, or the US. This forces same-sex couples to go abroad if they want children. Uh, So further on, uh, we're looking again into this uh, same article. Uh, Yet one prominent member of Maloney's party has dismissed uh, some sex, uh, sorry, same-sex parenting as abnormal after criticising an episode of children's cartoon series Peppa Pig that featured a polar bear with two mothers. Her abrasive coalition partner, Matteo Silvini, leader of the far-right League party, calls gay parents unnatural. The government has also opposed a Brussels plan for a parenthood certificate that would be valid across the EU in the belief that it would force Italy to accept the status of same-sex parents. There are only two ways to become a parent, either biologically or through adoption. This is Eugenia Rochella, uh, Rome's Minister of Family Affairs. All children have a mother and father, saying they have two mothers uh, or two fathers is not telling the truth. So, uh, again, you'd expect a different comments all over the show. One from Lancashire uh, says, By allowing it in the first place opens a, a whole can of worms and really complicates things from a legal perspective. In the UK, if you register a child's birth and the named father is not the actual biological father, and you know this to be fact at that time, you're breaking the law. So how do we put mother's on the birth certificate when they aren't actually a biological mother. Not suggesting they don't have rights to raise a child, it's just complicated. So uh, it is complicated, and the thing is, it has been made complicated by certain groups of people up till the times of about 10 years ago, maybe maybe a little bit more, but I don't know. Um, I seem to remember most people had a child um, and then you went down and you had the child registered and you had none of what's going on now. So the problems have been uh, of our own making, really, or those that want to make it a problem. And I've got to say, um, it would almost appear that Italy seems to want to go back to what we regarded as normality. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, well... (laughs) I had one mother. You can only have one mother. You know, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Right, you've got a mother, you've got a father, and they're with you, hopefully, you know, for a long, long time. But these that want to be... How on earth can you have two mothers? You can't. You get one biological mother, and that's it. So all these that want to keep playing around and putting on birth certificates... Uh, we've got Christine, one mother, and Anne, another mother. No, you haven't. You've got the the mother. That's it. End of errand. All this malarkey, it, it's just going way out of hand. Yes, I'm not I'm not against two gay people, you know, fetching, you know, having a child. But you can't call them both mother. Let me the just... same, you can't call them both father. Um, let me just put, put something to you, which I, I think we briefly touched on the other week, 
which is basically if you've got any adult which, uh, you know, you, I, uh, uh, we've all been there. Uh, When we're putting our children into the bath, uh, when we're putting our children into bed, uh, you would expect, really, that um, everybody respects the distance and the privacy of the child. I mean, little children, God bless them, they often stand up and, you know, they they don't have any fears of uh, people interfering with them. But the sad fact of the matter is that people do interfere with them. And uh, realistically, there is something that I don't feel totally comfortable about when you've got two of the same sex, uh, uh, you know, and nobody knowing really what's going on. And therefore, what really happens in the child's mind, uh, if you allow that, uh, if we go down the everybody's good route, then there should not be a problem. Because, you know, two good people of the same sex who want to look after children shouldn't really be a problem. But the trouble is, it always comes out later that maybe there was more to this than met the eye. And the fact is that, you know, there is um, a lot of consensus between most people in most countries that a man and a woman look after the child. They produce a child and they have the responsibility of looking after it. If you go out of that concept, then uh, by all means, if you've got somebody who can't have children, then the greatest of sympathies must be there for people that adopt, foster, or whatever. So, you know, I don't think you can be totally dogmatic, but I think you've got to have rigorous procedures for for anybody who wants to adopt, um, especially when it's a same-sex thing. That's the way I feel. I'm not telling you I'm right. That's how I feel. Over to you. Well, yeah, the people that can't have children and and the the adoption and you know well well you know the, the, the female that adopts one. Yes, you can call a mother, but when she gets to the age of uh, fifteen or fourteen or whenever, you know, you say, well, I'm not your real mother. Your real mother, you know, couldn't look after you. So I'm doing, you know, I'm like your mother that you can call me mum, you know, you know, and all that. Lot. But yeah, it must be awful for people that can't. But as I say, it, it is two good, genuine gay people that want to, you know, adopt a child, but you're still only going to get one mother. You know, you're only, you, you can't, you can't say there's two mothers and there's two, fa- you know, it's, Hang on a minute. It's, it's very, ridiculous. it's difficult. It's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, for yeah. us, you've had girls, I, I've had, bo- we've had boys. And so, therefore, uh, y- you know, your, um, your, per- your partner is always going to sort of be essential into bringing the child up and, you know, the bathing times and, and, and uh, just everything that we do to bring up our children. I, I think... If you're going to try and confuse the issue, as we've had, we've had this for the last 15 or 20 years now as, as quite, quite a constant assault, uh, then you personally, uh, for me, I start thinking, well, hang on, why are people messing around like this? When you can spot genuine people, and it's not very easy because the minute you go behind closed doors, you, you've no idea what goes on. Not with other exactly. people. Not unless you, yeah. you know. I mean, normal normal people. You give people that privacy to bring up 
the young children. So really, the only way you're ever going to spot any problem is uh, out of the mouths of babes and children themselves. You know, if they just happen to say something. Um, because basically, you know, at the moment we have certain reservations, I certainly have, um, over what's being taught in schools. So the biggest clue as to what's actually being taught is what the children tell us, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, You know, it's ridiculous. You know, as as we've said, you get one mother, and hopefully she's with you for a hell of a long time. Mine was, and, you know, I loved every minute of it, and I used to fly back and see her four or five times a year. Or try and fetch her over. Yeah. But it's still one mother, one biological mother. Don't be playing around with kids' brains by saying, oh, because, because you, you, your mother's now in a gay relationship, that you've got two mothers. No, you haven't. You've got one. And one only. Okay, so from what you're telling me, it would appear that you think that maybe the Italians have got something, they're onto something here, which is basically... Let's get back to normality. Let's go back. Go back yeah, to what let's go back. Let's go back to the basics. You know, birds and bees. You have a mother and a father. You know, yeah. you can't keep playing around with, with birth certificates. That, you know that you have to produce hundreds of times in, in your lifetime. You can't have mother and mother. No, you've got mother and father. Unless the father don't, you know, he's out of the situation or put unknown. But you can't just keep going along and saying you've got two mothers and all this, that, and the other. I just, I think, it, I think they're they're on right track with all that. Why you is know, it you can't have, you can't have two mothers? Why is it? Do you think that the United Kingdom can't see that? Because obviously, uh, if it was just one party or the other that couldn't see it. You know, both parties seem to be hell-bent on um, pursuing policies which the Italians obviously think are a problem. Um, you, you know, I happen to think that they, the Italians probably might have got it right because there's a bit more to this than actually meets the eye. But I think, you know, without going too deeply and wading into all the, um, the, the uh, maybe the religious side and the spiritual side and everything else, it, it must be awfully confusing for the children, mustn't it? That's, the, that's what I'm saying. They're playing with, with children's minds. To say that they've got, to, and then they'll go to school and say, "There's my mummy and there's my daddy," you know. Oh, I'm gone. You know, here we, I'm got No, but I've got two mummies. No, you know, you've not got two mummies. You've got one mummy. You know. If you've it's, got, uh, you see, it, it, every, everybody's trying to jump on bandwagons and uh, want the 15 minutes of fame and, and UK. Uh, the, the way it, the way it's going in UK about everything, everybody just likes a daisical about it. Oh, let it get on with it and this that, and the other. No, you know, when you're playing with children's minds. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing of all at the moment. You know, the the children really must be so... But maybe that's what the idea is, though. I mean, yeah, confuse them. Confuse them and they don't know what to believe. I mean, we, we, we have got this business of um, the cultural Marxism I was telling you about, which is basically to make everything that's good appear bad and make everything that's bad appear good. 
And so I looked at that with the chat uh, artificial intelligence and I, I put a question in and uh, like you'd expect, it comes back telling you it's all conspiracy theory. Well, it isn't conspiracy theory because basically before any of this artificial intelligence appeared on the scheme, uh, the, on the scene, I was reading um, this guy Gromsky is uh, one of the biggest ways that they change the original Marxist ideas. Um, but I mean, the thing is, you know, most people will never have, have heard of Gromsky or, or have ever read any of his stuff. So, um, OK, well, I'll give you the next one then. So stand by and uh, here we go. Here comes the next one. Okay, forget algebra or playing the recorder. Most of us would prefer to have been taught real world skills at school. Uh, things like uh, changing a car tire or applying for a mortgage. And uh, this is all coming out in yet another poll. More than half of those quizzed said the skills they learned in the classroom had not helped them in later life. The four least useful things people said they had studied at school were algebra, the Pythagoras theorem. Um, what else did they say here? Uh, using a Bunsen burner and how to throw a javelin. Uh, learning the plays of William Shakespeare was deemed useless, as were dissecting uh, an animal and reciting the periodic table. Um, then it goes on to talk about nine out of ten Britons surveyed said they believed students would benefit rather from being taught how to buy a house, set up a private pension, pay household bills, start a business. So, uh, look, as usual, I looked down in the comments and from Wales, I learned about basic car maintenance, putting water in the engine and oil check, changing a tyre. Because I make it can make the difference between blowing up your engine and, a, and an expensive outlay for repairs. I learned to drive while pulling a trailer and how to reverse with a trailer attached. I learned about cleaning your shoes with the cherry blossom boot polish, ironing, cooking, etc. I wish I'd learned about things like mortgages, interest rates and various life skills. Also, I was fortunate that I liked reading and had a natural ability with numbers because I was taught from a young age about till float bookkeeping from my parents and because of them having a pub uh, I learned to do cellar work and um, uh, a stock rotation used by dates tap and spiel a barrel pipe cleaning all things I've used time and time again in life I'm already passing these skills on to my children and grandchildren. Budgeting languages are a bonus for you. Debating things, listening skills, etc. So um, I thought there was a lot of mileage in that because that's exactly the way I feel about a lot of um, the way that uh, people grow up and are taught. So what do you think? Well, I, I can't remember the time when the number of times I've been asked to play three blind mice on my recorder since I left school. So we all got a recorder and we all learned three blind mice. I can't remember using it in, in my adult life. But we had metalwork, we had woodwork, we had domestic science for the girls. Now that, I'm, I'm still 100% now say that they should be teaching domestic science in schools 
and it could be for boys as well as well as girls. Because I've lived on my own for I lived on my own for quite a while, and uh, I I learned off my mum. I, I used to phone her up and ask her, "Listen, how do I make this and such a thing?" But yeah, come in. It's things that. What, what they don't teach you is things that you you'll need in real life. You know, a recorder. Yeah, you're not going to you know you're not going to be top of the pops playing three blind mice, say it. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, it, it's the things. But we, we had a, a, a thingy officer that used to come in your last year at school, and he asked you what what you you know. What do you think you'd like to go into? Well, I mean, we all want to be professional footballers or professional rugby players or, mm-hmm. you know, I want to be a scientist or, a, you know, a fireman or a policeman. You know, it, the teacher should be... When you when you get a pupil that's good at such a thing, uh, I think I've, I've said this before, there was one girl in, in our school called Pat Beecroft, and she was exceptional at drawing P- people's faces or whether it were... Uh, a, a winter scene. She was fantastic. And what they did, uh, this this person come from Bolton College and looked at her work and said, rather than to finish off this last year here, we'd like to take her into the college. And that's how it should be. You've got to... When, when you see a kid that's good at athletics or cricket or football or, you know, uh, carpentry or metalwork, you should be guiding them that way. You know, that... That's the things where, where I think you know education now. It, it's just teach them all, all the same old paraphernalia. Get them all the recorder, play three blind mice, and they'll get. Oh, they'll really get on well in life. But it don't work like that. You've got to push. You know, show people. You know, show these pupils you're doing really well at this. I think you should concentrate on this a little bit more. And then everybody would be looking out for a job for them that are good at what they're doing in school. Well, you're so right. Um, when I uh, went and did my study and I was 35, came out of college when I was 40, uh, basically uh, did some teacher training. Then when I went in the college, um, they asked me if, well, f- funny enough, I'd written a uh, Manpower Services Commission uh, type document all about l- leisure and how you train people to work in leisure. You know, So you've got all the different jobs like working in the leisure centre, working in um, maybe hotels, working in gyms, you know, all that sort of stuff. And basically, the idea was that um, as soon as you can, you, you get people into what they want to do, which is exactly what you're saying. Uh, but the college is just doing parts of this, uh, which is basically about, um, you know, uh, coming into the college just to learn how to write and put yourself maybe uh, about in other ways. Um What's the most important thing that you think you learned at school? <laughs> well, I, 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 I was good at sport uh, and woodwork. I loved it. Loved being on a lathe, making lamps, you know, uh, good, good shaped lamps. But what, what I think they should do as well is let them go on. You know, if you, if you see a kid that's very good at doing whatever with their hands or, you know, or writing or drawing or anything else, Go and give them a, a, a couple of weeks' work experience. And if you check that on, then, you know, they probably, you, you know, you send them to somewhere for some work experience. If they like it and the company like it, then you've already set them on the road, haven't you? On the right road. Nothing. You know, in, into whatever it is, whether it's joinery, metalwork, cooking, 
you know, anything. Well, you're absolutely right. You see, my, my idea, which I put into the college, was basically, you know, if somebody wants to be a footballer, uh, you've got to give them the skills and then let them see if they can develop them and help them to develop them and then see if you can put them in touch with a club, let them, you know, uh, go and see if they're good enough. I remember one kid was quite good, thought he was brilliant uh, I thought he was pretty average and um, y- you know I still arranged for him to go up and see Brian Clough to go and uh, have an interview there kid came in wouldn't get his hair cut and I said well look Brian Clough is one of these disciplinarians if you don't get your hair cut you he, he won't he, he won't look at you and yeah. uh, anyway the kid was adamant he was right went all the way up to Nottingham and came back down and gave me the report that he'd uh, obviously um, whatever I told him was going to be the uh, was, was what actually happened um, but I mean we had lots of other lads that the skills that I think uh, I tried to help them with were things like basic uh, basic banking basically you know knowing how to budget uh, knowing how to I mean when you look at some of those things that, that, that came out of that I can remember some fella gave me a trailer once, um, which I drove home. I had such a difficult job getting it into um, the front of our house where there was a car space. I eventually just uh, gave it away to somebody else. You know, I mean, things like uh, that, if I'd have been able to drive the thing properly... um, I mean, it's it's quite a skill driving and reversing in particular with a trailer, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's opposite locks and God knows what. I have every credit to these big lorry drivers, you know, with these massive long 60-foot trailers or whatever, and they just pull past the place and just reverse straight in. There's only about six or eight inches on each side of it, and they just get it straight in. Yeah. But that's because they, because somebody's learned them, gone through it with them. You know, it's like your driving test, you know, when you, you, you're having a few lessons. They were teaching you the basics that you need to know to be safe. Yeah. You know, I mean, all right, <laughs> some of us go go a bit off, go a bit off the patch like and go a little bit faster than thirty every now and again. You know, but but it, it's you've got to. You see, kids are all the same, but if they, there'll be some part of every child that they're good at, you, you know, you, you can't. But what what you do is, if you're just teaching them all the same things, they all seem to be like, just like, yeah, well, we didn't learn much at school because, you know, I prefer to do this. And if you prefer to do that, speak to your teacher and say, listen, I I need a bit more on this because I think I like this. And then you have an idea of what you want to do in life. Well, I'm, and I mean, one in life, and it's a great big world out there, you know. I would imagine that they are spending far too much time uh, doing. Well, I mean, I I, I asked um, a young lad of sixteen. I asked him about his sex education, and he was telling me that they've got this transgender person coming into the classroom with a banana and a, a, a pot of Vaseline and showing them what to do with it. Well, I mean, for me, that's promoting something uh, which basically is on the agenda for these bloom and woke people, yeah. whereas that's not going to help him for an average person having an average life, is it? No. Well, what job are you going to go into? Uh, well, what, what, do you, what do you do best? Well... I put a Jurex on a, or I put Vaseline on a banana, and I know uh, they makes it. Hang on a minute, that's not a job. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. You've got to earn some money in this life somewhere along the line. 
you know. Well, I think, look, yeah. look, I do believe that sex education is important. Oh, yeah, the but, birds and the bees. But, but, we, you know, we all had years ago, didn't we? But, you, you, but you don't you, promote it. You, no, you, you, go along, you go along and you learn, you know. But I, uh, that's, not, that's not top of the curriculum, is it? No. Like they're trying to make it at the moment, the way it's, the way it's going. I think what you yeah. were talking about with uh, certainly, you know, your life skills, your domestic science and your woodwork and things like that, you see, and, and with me going to um, a grammar school, I missed out on all that sort of stuff. And I have to say, I don't. I really wish that I'd learned more practical stuff. Okay, I can handle languages and I can handle uh, computers, even though I wasn't taught them. But I mean, that's not quite the same as when I know a job needs doing in the house. I have to call in somebody who I know does it far better than the mess that I would make. You know, so yeah, some, somebody, somebody that, that was good. Uh, uh, with pipe work or plumbing yeah. or somebody that were good with electrics and so you get an electrician and a joiner for put your windows right and stuff like that. And and those are things that should that should be basically taught in school. So it helps them. The minute they leave school, they're not going shelf stacking in, in Tesco's and this, that and the other. Try and get them into, you know, a trade. Yeah. You know, and then, they, then from there, they'll go and work with somebody who's experienced and then as he's getting older and you're getting slightly older, you go out on your own. You know, absolutely. Uh, roofing, tiling, anything. It is the answer. I mean, here in Spain is very similar to Britain of the 80s where they've got a youth unemployment crisis. And realistically, for me, everything that you were talking about and what that person was saying in that article is exactly what I believe. I do think that if I look at the four things that they were talking about, uh, I've never needed algebra. The Pythagoras theorem never needed that, never needed the Bunsen burner. Now, when it came to throwing a javelin, I think I disagree with that because for all the sports that I've been involved with, anything that's involved uh, a ball, obviously, there's a throwing skill. And so, you know, the athletics um, that we did at school, I I can understand part of that. Uh, Running, for example, you know, uh, keeping yourself fit, uh, getting yourself away from problems, uh, running to help somebody. I mean, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think you could make quite a good case for that. But I think some of the other stuff, I think uh, the William Shakespeare stuff was useless for me. Um, uh, Periodic table, yep, agree with them. So a lot of time wasted um, instead of teaching us the ways that, you know, you need to get ready for uh, what you need to save in your life and how to construct a pension and and all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, that's arithmetic. So you, you you learn them through... Don't forget, you're at school quite a long time. Yeah. So if you start at the basic, and then as you move you move on up a year, then you go into the next one a bit thing. I mean, I, I would say with you with the Pythagoras, the long side is shorter than the other side on the bigger side, and no, no, that wasn't my idea of fun either. But how to read and write? Yeah, let's get the basics first. Read, write. You see somebody that's good at doing something yeah. and, and, and put them on the right track. And if they enjoy that, the thing about working is you really want to enjoy going into work. Yeah, That's, that, that's what it's about. And then when you're in work, as we're going back to the first subject, you're having a crack with each other. Nobody's offending anybody. You're having a laugh with each other. You get, take Mickey out of him, he'll take Mickey out of you. And that's how you get on. And you make your life easier at work as well. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's teaching, I'm sure. Uh, well, look, Just putting the kids in the right in the right direction. You, you see, the thing is, when you come to national curriculum, um, having sat and you know uh, agonised over things with other teachers, that you, you can see they they haven't got a clue of really life because so many of them stay in the college, come out of school, go into the college, then go back into a college, and that seems to be those people who are the biggest uh, noises when it comes to deciding what everybody else learns. Uh, no, I think it needs a good rehaul. I'm going to go to the next one. Here we go. All right. The first word of this one is roving. Um, it should also be raving, I think. Uh, undercover police squads who fine men £100 for catcalling women in the street. Now, this is already set to roll out across London. Uh, a metropolitan police chief has been telling everybody about this scheme. It's already underway in Redbridge, which is in northeast London, with patrols every night of the week by both uniformed and plainclothes officers. Chief Inspector Louise Jackson, who leads uh, on violence against women and girls in East London, said she was in no doubt that this would expand across the capital. So, uh, there's somebody in Greece. Uh, I always like to see where people are actually... Uh, writing and observing their comments and uh, she goes on to say I can remember the time when women dressed to, to catch the attention of the opposite sex and were quite happy to receive wolf whistles and the odd ribald comments it used to be part of the dating and mating game today everything is stood on its head wouldn't want to be a young single man today who is not only challenged with trying to identify a woman who is 100% female, but who has to be very careful as to how he approaches her and what he says. And ladies, don't bother dressing up to the nines to impress because we, the opposite sex, are not allowed to look and certainly not allowed to pass comment. What a crazy world we live in. It won't be long before society dry, dies out. I'm 100% with this. You, you ask any woman of 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, if they got a wolf whistle, it used to really brighten the day up because people thought you look beautiful. And now they're saying wolf whistling is, is offensive. Well, for, for offensive to who? Some ugly old bird or something like that that you wouldn't wolf whistle at anyway. Is that the problem? But any any woman that were walking past, nice, nice and bonny, good looking, and, and probably well decently dressed and all that, you give her a wolf whistle, and sometimes it'd wear back at you. And you know what I mean? That's it, because you were a beautiful woman walking past you. You know, I, on my life, I can't, I can't believe all this lot. Well, I look at you some know. of the I look at some of the pictures in the papers. Uh, we just had the Netherlands has got a transgender Miss World, which you know uh, is, is going to go How into. Can the... you have a trans dressed? Yes, uh, Miss World. Uh, well, she's I mean, she's Miss she's Miss Netherlands already. You see, that's oh, right. how she's going to go into it. But I mean, uh, the the point for me is that really, if you look at uh, what we're just talking about now, how you perceive a female, and maybe you know you you might whistle or whatever, but you know that's 
young person's behaviour. It's out and normally you'd probably get builders doing it more than anybody else. But I mean, yeah, yeah. it's life. Yeah. It's life. It's what goes on. But I mean, let's be honest about it. You're not going to get many wolf whistles as a transgender person. Not really, are you? No. It's Miss Netherlands, she won it because of the beard. You know, because the beard were nicely trimmed up or something. Is that why she's uh, Miss Netherlands? Well, look, you know. uh, the, 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 the real question that needs to be asked there is what went on in the minds of the, uh, of the judging panel? Because if you've got normal, healthy opinion about somebody's beauty, which, of course, is what a beauty competition is supposed to be about, um, then you mustn't be very healthy in your mind if you've decided that all the other contestants aren't as beautiful as somebody who's had to be engineered to change. I, I think that is not being totally unfair, but of course I know where any comments uh, against what I've just said would come from. It won't come from most most ladies, uh, because yeah. um, I, I mean, let's be honest about it. There's a lot of ladies don't like the the beauty pageant, and I don't have a problem with that either because it, it's entirely up to you. But I know uh, one of the um, uh, I won't say a treasured memory, but one of the memories I have is being the judge at the um, Derby Pool Baths. In, uh, on Whittle where you know there was a beauty competition and obviously the ladies turned up and uh, I was having to try and decide which was the uh, the nicest lady well I mean I would found I would have found it very very difficult had uh, I seen somebody's meat and two veg turned up um, uh, in front of me and I'm supposed to be judging I'd be thinking yeah. well what the hell's happened here in it's fact, funny that you should say that because I were a judge once in Blackpool at the Lido. Yeah, I've got I've got they a picture of it. Lido on the front, and they come in uh, in uh, burning costumes, you know, with a little number on the wrist and That's this right. down the other. In the other, then you pick the nicest one. And I, I, I'm a real plain Jane fan, you know. I I love beauty, just na- natural beauty, you know, not where they've got to get lips and eyebrows and and hair and. Uh, bus and all that, all faults. Some of the you, you can you can spot natural beauty a mile off. Yeah, these are I know you know. They, they, I mean, most of the women at the moment they're going for the lips and uh, that stuff that they print Botox and God knows what. But I mean, there's a clue in that as well, isn't there? Botox. <laughs> it means it's tox- toxic that you're putting into your body. Yet some of them didn't want to have a. An injection for measles, mumps, and rubella, but no, they, they poke in the face and God knows what with all kinds of rubbish. I love a plain Jane. Well, and also you can see somebody who basically um, would never be a beauty queen, but they've got a beautiful way about them. They've just got exactly. nice, the nice way they walk, the way exactly. they talk. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. Just um, run you by something which uh, happened yesterday, and uh, just be interested to hear, hear your opinion because I went in to uh, have a I'd, I'd done a bit of training, so I was going to have a shower and then go into the pool. And we've got a community pool, as you know, and basically I opened the gate, and there's a German in the pool uh, and his boyfriend in the shower uh, with soap. Uh, or washing his undercarriage, nothing at all left for the imagination. Um, so uh, I just said to him, excuse me, I said that there's families and children on this urbanisation. That is not allowed. 
Anyway, you know, obviously I got a whole yeah. stack of German comment back and the two of them thought, you know, that they, they could yeah, yeah. talk behind that, me back. Well, well, there's two things not allowed there, is there? Well, the, the, soap. Ruins the, the soap ruins the filters. Yeah. And who wants, who wants somebody riding a mine down below when you're trying to just have a swim with kids? I mean, I've, mine, are, mine are on the way now from coming over for two and a half weeks holiday. I don't want to be taking them down to my pool and some of it's there. With shampooing itself in the thing that that, that makes a mess of the uh, the filters for the pill, and he's there rubbing his undercarriage. No, not on. Well, I was uh, I was more concerned that you know obviously I've got my family with me, and had they gone in, um, yeah. I don't know how they would have handled it because obviously you know big t- two big fellas. Uh, as it was, yeah. I, I was more annoyed than worried about the size of them. I just thought you know you're not you're not going to you're not going to come in here doing this. Anyway, yeah. I, I'm interested to see what you thought as we go to our next one. So, uh, where will we go? Here we go. Bit of music to clear our minds as we look at these um, climate activists set to travel to London from all over the UK to disrupt the capital during rush hour today, Monday. Uh, Just Stop Oil's plan is to force, they're calling it the murderous government, as they refer to it, to cancel new domestic oil and gas licences. In their week-long protest, they hope to disrupt crucial road networks with their groups of slow marches until Saturday. They reportedly plan on shutting down the capital during their biggest week of action and the disruption caused by Just Stop Oil seemed to be never-ending after they stormed both the stage during the BBC proms um, during a live broadcast um, uh, of the last leg last night. Uh, this was just after the, 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 the day that the, this had been written. And then they went into protest at Selfridges, Hamleys and John Lewis on Oxford Street. Um, I'm more annoyed by the ineptitude of the police because if you and I took a bag of orange powder and walked anywhere in London and tried to do what they're doing, uh, we'd be in jail. We'd be we'd be banged up for probably a good couple of weeks. Um, and th- this has just got sillier and sillier for me. Okay, over to you. It's ridiculous. I mean, as you say. The, the minute they, they disrupt anybody else's life, put them in prison for six weeks and then let them sort that out. Because they just... and They're all going to congregate into London. How do they get in there? You don't tell me they're walking from Newcastle to London, you know, and, and then going to start walking slowly all around London for stop stop this oil and this, that and the other. It's, it's an absolute joke. Because some of them, they'll, they'll come from abroad, they'll get on a flight. Hang on a minute, you, you, you'll not have a flight if you, you're stopping oil and all that. You're not going to get electric planes, trust me, that are going to go all around the world. You well, make me laugh, these lot. And then, as you say, unless the police clamp down on them and government clamp down on them and say, you disrupt anybody else's life, you're going to, you're going to suffer or you're going to be fined massively. Well, it's anti—it's anti-social behaviour. So there's already laws that uh, exist, and so the the ineptitude of the police and the inact the inaction of the government 
describes to me perfectly that there is a bigger picture that you obviously uh, are not being told, we're not being told, um, and otherwise, why would these people not already be banged up and fined huge amounts of money? Remembering that both that lot and the LGBTQ lot, they are being funded by millionaires and billionaires. So therefore, you know, this is politics on more than just the local level. There's lots going on here. Yeah, I'm with you with that. But uh, yeah, as far as if you trespass on somewhere like Albert Hall or wherever it is, and you get carted off, massive fine, six weeks in prison, that'll sort them out. But they made me laugh. They, did, they had a bit of Wimbledon, but they only threw um, the jigsaw pieces or something, didn't they? All over yep. the floor. I mean, yeah. I mean, one of them from Manchester is supposed to be, a, um, they said he's a recording artist. I've never heard of him, but there he were, about 60-odd, j- jumping on, on thing, throwing throwing jigsaws. Damn it. If somebody trespassed in your house, you'd, you'd, you'd batter them, wouldn't you? Well, you know, you'd give them a good hiding. Right. I, I mean, but, but they're, they're trespassing on all these people that are paying to go and watch Wimbledon or cricket or where you know wherever it is. Game of good hiding as well. Well, you know, you're not assaulting them. You shouldn't be trespassing. That's what I can't understand. I mean, if you've got security people at these events, if you and I or any ordinary members of the public did anything anywhere near this. Uh, then I would think we would be really up against it. We'd have uh, numbers coming at us, and obviously it would be sorted very quickly. This has gone on for such a long time. For me, the government has to be complicit in this. And uh, if it's if it's a question of something like that, then obviously it's infiltration, and I think I've told you many times where I think I know where it comes from. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm not being funny here, but all the politicians... Tories, Labour, Green, Orange, Purple, whatever they all come under now, right? None of them, none of them are, are, are saying anything about it. They should be saying to government, you know, if, if it's Labour, they should be saying this needs jumping on. But, oh no, it, it, he's not been seen for months. Keir Starmer, he, and, and him, the uh, Liberal one, he's only interested in one thing, and we, we want to be all green and all this malarkey and I, no. And are you going to pay for any of this lot? But going back to these people that are doing this stop oil, what are you going to do? Just If you stop oil, uh, so are you going to cook in future? Are you going to, you know, stop your squeaky gate, you know, with your WD-40, which is a bit part oil? <laughs> Where's it end, you know? Well, I think the trouble is, you see, um, you, you know, if they were a gang of young lads... Um, I think that this would be sorted out very quickly. They just bring in the heavy mob, bring in a few horses. I mean, I haven't even seen a police horse anywhere near any of this lot. But if you had a police horse marshalling them off the road, um, end of story. If you had the police dogs marshalling them off the road. But, but they're just being allowed to be disruptive. So that, for me, uh, signals that um, the government... Uh, they must be ordering the police not to do anything, and the government must be being told by somebody else, probably um, the World Health Organization or one of these mystical bodies that are uh, making all these changes happen. Uh, I think oh, there's a lot these, more. Well, one of these party donators, yeah? Yep, yeah. Anything like that. I mean, the thing is, yeah. if we're not told the story, then we've got a 
It's conjecture. Um, our last story is a bit lighter, but at the same time, it's still quite interesting. So here we go. Okay, I, I know that you told me that you weren't the biggest uh, tennis fan, but I would imagine you probably were watching uh, little bits of it. And I was watching uh, the game when uh, Djokovic was playing Yannick Sinner. And it appears like <clears throat> the authorities were totally against Djokovic. I mean, you know, I'm not his biggest fan, but I think as a um, as as an athlete and as a tennis player, he's par excellence. I mean, you know, this guy that's just beaten him only just beat him after five hours. I mean, goodness, sixteen years younger than him. Come on, you know. Yeah. Uh, now there was a hindrance or a horrible call or an echo off the roof. The the umpire's decision to dock. Novak Djokovic to point for an extended grunt in his Wimbledon semi-final provoked disbelief from the player and the pundits. He was given the penalty in the second set when the umpire, Richard Haig, deemed the noise had hindered the other guy, this uh, Janik Sinner. Who, anyway, um, he, uh, Djokovic asked the umpire, what are you doing? And said the call could have changed the course of the match. He said, I felt nervous after that call, but I managed to regroup. Um, so, obviously, he went on and uh, we know the rest is history. But it does beg the question about uh, the way that the um, the refereeing was being done. Now, for example, um, during the final, they were at first given Djokovic a bit more time, you know, in between the service. So it's like they they have a clock counting down and they were showing you that there's only supposed to be 30 seconds, I think it was. And um, Djokovic was averaging 33 seconds. Yeah, and it would appear that, um, you know, the, the Wimbledon officials seem to be picking on Djokovic. And as you know, he's been uh, a bit of a contra- controversy for certain things, like, you know, he said he didn't want to take the, uh, the the jabs and everything and explained why. And, I mean, the thing is, really, um, the officials definitely have had it in for him over the last couple of um, years. Um, but I, I don't know whether you saw the end of the competition yesterday. I thought, what a gentleman... What an athlete, what a, 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 a nice way to actually bow out from the top and uh, make way for this next new champion. I thought he was really, really well spoken. What, what did you think of that? Very well spoken. I, I did, but I watched the end, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, very sportsmanlike. He said, I'll, I'll be invited a better player on the day. And uh, But that, that one that you're on about that, uh, when, you know, the noise. Yeah. You know when he when he was hitting the shot. Nearly all the players now, when they're serving, they, they come out with a, <clears throat> and when they you know they're on a rally, it's both of them that are, that are doing the noises, isn't it? You know it's, and then they just say, oh well, it, yours echoed off the off the stadium or somewhere, and so you deducted a what? Hang on a minute, <laughs> do me a favour, will you? Well, but yeah, it, it, you can't knock him seven times. He's won that. And he's won more as many as everybody else. So, and and as you say, when you lost, you're absolutely gutted. But he was a perfect gentleman and sportsman. Uh, you yeah. know, when he was being interviewed. 
Well, even when I looked at um, the newspapers, uh, what they were saying was that he'd smashed his racket. Uh, oh, at, that, yeah. Well, he said that, that they said that he smashed his racket after losing. He didn't smash it after no, losing. No, it, 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 no, no, that were in, it were in final say. He, he, he missed a shot. Yeah, and uh, and he he won the game. And as he's walking to you know go and wipe sweat off and that. He just hit the the pole where the net is. He put a right dent in it, and his racket just went and just all crumbled in. And somebody said, "If you can get that and get him to sign it, that piece of wood, they can put it towards the Wimbledon, uh, yeah. uh, you know, the, like the, the the wheelchair tennis thing, yes. you know, that need a bit more funding." I think you and I might have done something like that if we'd have played for four and a half hours and made a, a silly yeah. mistake. All right, Neil. Um, Okay, once again, big thank you. And uh, obviously back to normal time next week. So thanks for accommodating the change this week. Right. And the dog has been laying it, listening all the time. Normally she'll be barking at nothing. And she's not back once. So she's been been all right as well. So it shows you we must be barking up the right tree, mustn't we? Exactly. (laughs) Thanks, Neil. Catch you next week. Speak to you soon. Have a good week. Thanks, Neil. Bye-bye. Good afternoon. And the other guy was about 26, so he was getting more time in the final, almost as if they were trying to rectify the thing in case...